You're a 415er. 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers, an off-season edition of the 415ers, Mark. It's early in the morning. I'm I'm having trouble speaking. How are you? <laughs> uh, I'm doing well, Evan. Yeah, off-season, uh, first official full week uh, of the off-season, I guess, after last week kind of felt normal after a game, but now we don't have a game to react to, so it's uh, good to be with you here in the off-season. How are you doing? Well, there is still one more game left, but unfortunately, the 49ers are not playing in it. And of course, it'll be the Super Bowl. And we're going to get into that because one member of the 49ers this week did bring up the Super Bowl as well as his prediction. We're going to get into that. We're going to discuss some of the offseason questions that the 49ers have to answer. And really, it all starts with the guy at the top. And as we saw during the end of season press conference, even more glaringly, uh, it is, in fact, Kyle Shanahan. And Mark, I know we're going to have to dig into... Like we're hopefully going to be getting updates about Brock Purdy throughout the summer, even Trey Lance, of course. And we're going to have a ton of stuff to dig into in what is hopefully going to be a very um, active offseason and progressive offseason for the 49ers. But just starting with Kyle Shanahan as a head coach, we didn't really get into this in our last episode. I think we're still trying to sort of just get over the, you know, the skidding halt of the season. But if you had to sort of evaluate Kyle Shanahan on face value, like what grade do you think you'd give him for this season? For this season, I think he gets an A. Uh, he was wow. he was great this season. I, I I'm a little surprised that you're surprised by that, Evan, because uh, considering everything that this team had to go through and everything that they accomplished, yes, certainly they fell short and it was not competitive in the NFC title game. But I don't care what coach is leading that team. You lose your third string quarterback and you have to turn to a Josh Johnson. Uh, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to win that game. And I know there's a lot of people who are saying, well, how can you have Josh Johnson as, you know, one injury away from playing an NFC title game? Maybe there were better options. Okay, perhaps marginally better than Josh Johnson out there that the Niners could have turned to. But no one that is turning the tide of a potential NFC championship game or Super Bowl and leading the Niners to a victory if Brock Purdy goes down. Regardless of who's filling in for him, the season's over. Um, so for me, Evan, it's an easy A for Kyle Shanahan, his grade this season. I know I've said it multiple times. This is the best coaching job of his career. And I'm not sure it's particularly close. Uh, 2019, probably the, the next best coaching job of his career. You could maybe make a case for last year when he did turn it around late when the pressure was on, but I think this is, uh, the best coaching job of his career, Evan, and, and he deserves an A, not an A minus. He was incredible. He pushed almost every right button throughout the entire season. Um, he was a big reason why they went after Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he signed off on that. He he got that done. He and John Lynch got that done. Uh, so I, I think Kyle Shanahan deserves all the praise in the world for this season. And, and I think he gets an A. I think that the best grade that Kyle Shanahan can get is an A minus, in my opinion, because the last 12 weeks were an A. And I'm not even talking about the NFC Championship game. I, I don't think you can fault him for that. I'm with you. I don't think any head coach across the league outside of maybe two might find a way to win that game. Like, and that's being generous. 
but I can't ignore what happened at the beginning of this season, which had us in question of what direction this season was going for the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan was a huge part of stabilizing that, but he had to stabilize, stabilize it because it was in flux in the first place. And that to me falls at his feet. What happened with Trey Lance at the beginning of the season and even in the offseason with essentially having Jimmy Garoppolo fall into your lap, having what turned out to be Brock Purdy fall into your lap, I think he gets credit for maximizing that. And to me, that falls short of an A because you are the one that set those chain of events in motion. And of course, unfortunately, coming up a bit short, like, yes, the actual context of the game will say that the 49ers and Shanahan could not have won that game. But if we're going to say that Kyle Shanahan is a better head coach than you know Nick Sirianni, um, Nick Sirianni beat him. Um, we're going to say that Kyle Shanahan is maybe a better head coach than Sean McVay. Uh, Sean McVay has wins in the playoffs, a win in the playoff against him. Like, I can't ignore that, Mark. So even though it may sound harsh, I also don't think saying that a head coach got an A- minus for the entire season is that harsh. Again, I'm nitpicking, but that's why it would drop from an A to an A- minus for me. I understand that. Uh, I, I get the, the early season things uh, as well. I, I think, I mean, to me, uh, if you were discussing the, the, the Lance things and, and how the first five quarters of the season were generally off balance and seemed awkward and, and weren't smooth. Um, I don't know. I mean, we are nitpicking and this is more semantics, I guess, than anything else. For me, that doesn't go against Kyle Shanahan's coaching record this year. Maybe that goes against his talent evaluation record, his decision to draft Lance in the first place. I mean, I know that that's, not exactly what we're talking about here, but um, if you are pointing towards some of that awkwardness early in the year, uh, maybe it's less on his ability to to coach and more so on on perhaps a, a failed evaluation or uh, you know drafting the wrong guy or, or whatever. And then in in terms of the playoffs, I get what you're saying, but it's not like the Eagles and the Niners were on even ground at all. And, I, and I'm not trying to disparage. Uh, the Eagles or Nick Sirianni at all. I know we'll talk about a, a certain Niner who you teased earlier who might have been disparaging the Eagles, maybe not. Um, but considering the circumstances, I, I really can't ha- hold anything that happened in that NFC title game against Kyle Shanahan. If we're going to give Kyle Shanahan credit for Christian McCaffrey, I do think we also have to give him some blame for what happen at the quarterback position at the beginning of this season. And what's the only reason that they go out to trade for Christian McCaffrey? Because the offense by Kyle's design at about the six week mark of the season, we had no clue which way it was going. I mean, they were middle of the pack, even though they had largely the same pieces in place. The difference was of course, Christian McCaffrey, like that is a game changing talent. But if we're going to say, you got that guy or you're responsible for that guy and then using that guy. Well, then I have to ask the question why you needed him in the first place. So yes. And that's why I say the last 12 weeks of the season are an a for Kyle Shanahan, but I cannot ignore the first five weeks of the regular season and the roller coaster ride that was largely by his design. I got a question for you does. And we've kind of already been over this a little bit in the past, does Kyle Shanahan deserve credit for uh, 
retaining Jimmy Garoppolo on this roster this season. Because with without him, who knows what the season looks like? Yeah, and that's another thing too. Like I, I give I give Jimmy Garoppolo more credit than Kyle Shanahan for staying in San Francisco. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is the one that chucked up the deuces and said see you at the press conference last year. And then no one no one wanted him because he refused to get his surgery until later than he probably should have. I will say I think the Niners could have very easily decided to cut bait and, and just take whatever low ball offer they felt that they got from some team. Because it's not like they were no offers. They were just n- not a, you know offers that met the Niners' desire and what they thought Jimmy Garoppolo was worth. So if the Niners were completely tired of this situation and Kyle Shanahan just said, you know what, get rid of this distraction. We have a young quarterback that we trust. Jimmy, see ya. It'll make our locker room better because of some of the potential awkwardness. They could have done that. They could have gotten, you know, a sixth round pick if if that was all that they were offered when they were looking for maybe closer to a two or something. Uh, so I, I do think maybe there's a shred of credit that the Niners and Shanahan and and the front office deserve for at least sticking to their guns enough to be willing to turn down offers and not just say yes to whatever offer they got because they wanted to get him out of there. Again, it's more so circumstantial. The way things played out, he kind of fell into the Niners' lap, Garoppolo that is. Um, But I I, I think there's just a, a little bit that the Niners deserve credit for. But again, that's that's more so offseason stuff and not really things that happened in the actual season that we're talking about. But I do think there's a, a little bit of credit there. Well, no, you're right in the sense that that however that situation played out is what ended up transpiring on the field because Jimmy Garoppolo is on the roster. And yes, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, to me, that that credit would be creating an environment that someone like Jimmy Garoppolo, who essentially was, you know, kind of shown the door at the end of the previous year, felt comfortable entering the building once more. And that's because his teammates around him are amazing. They seem like they love him. And I think even George Kittle at the end of the NFC championship was spotted wearing, you know, a feels great baby handmade T-shirt. That's in reference to Jimmy Garoppolo, who was also there on the sideline. Like, and of course, Jimmy Garoppolo understanding that his place to maximize his value for one final season is more likely in San Francisco than in the other destinations. So to me, yes, they have created, um, and Kyle Shanahan is responsible for this, creating a culture that is conducive to talent maximization like that. But that has only been the case for Jimmy Garoppolo so far and Brock Purdy. And this is kind of the the extension of the conversation, which is Kyle Shanahan has, I believe, a decision to make at the quarterback position. Now, it it may be one that's pretty um, obvious to some, but by virtue of having one quarterback who's currently injured, another quarterback who is currently returning soon from injury, uh, technically there are going to be maybe unforeseen decisions that he'll have to make. And to me, it starts with really just like reestablishing the hierarchy. Jimmy Garoppolo is gone, according to Kyle Shanahan, so he will not be back. Uh, Brock Purdy right now is, I guess, uh, QBIR, even (laughs) though there is a an I that looks like a one, which I think is probably how I will spell it for the rest of this offseason. And Trey Lance is QB two. Like that's that's how the the hierarchy looks to me right now, Mark. Yeah, I think the uh, the decision that Kyle Shanahan needs to make will come when Brock Purdy returns. And let's just 
let's extend this, this this what if out for a little bit. Say Brock Purdy gets surgery within a week. By the way, he should get surgery soon because if he's going to need it, it's going to sideline. It, it him is for... surprising to me that we haven't heard not just the. I mean, we've heard the timetable for his return, but yeah. we haven't heard the timetable as to when he is going to get this surgery that he needs to get very soon. Yeah, as we record this Monday morning, still the last we've heard is that they're seeking second, third, fourth, just other opinions on his elbow. And I think they're praying that he doesn't need surgery. But let's assume he needs surgery, and let's assume it's not the full Tommy John. So he'll be throwing in about three months out from the surgery date. Get the and knife! Should be, <laughs> and should be cleared to play and practice and go into training camp in six months. Say today, Monday, February 6th, he has the surgery. Six months from now would be August 6th. The Niners would already be more than a week into training camp. So that means Trey Lance is going to get all the number one reps at OTAs, which no one in the locker room is going to blink, you know, at. They're not going to mind because, you know, Brock Purdy isn't ready. But let's also assume, again, that the six-month timeline holds up. Brock Purdy isn't able to go for the first week of training camp. Still, it's Trey Lance getting the first team snaps. Okay, that's fine. Like again, Trey Lance or Brock Purdy is is not ready to go yet. That the team will understand that. And I should preface this by saying uh, it seems pretty clear that the locker room wants Brock Purdy. They believe in Brock Purdy. They saw what he just did this past season, Evan. They think Brock Purdy gives them the best chance to win. So with that in mind. Let's say Brock Purdy is ready for the second week of training camp. Does Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers immediately throw him in and he gets every single number one rep? Do they try to slowly work him back in? Was Trey Lance looking good the first week of training camp? And does he take away a couple of first team reps when Brock Purdy does return? Is he immediately able to be 100%? Do they ease him in? How does this all work? And could it cause some tension in the locker room, because again, how much this locker room loves Brock Purdy and loves what he was able to do and help the team accomplish over his first nearly 10 starts as a professional. I think that's where Kyle Shanahan has the biggest decision to make. It's similar to what you're saying, the quarterback hierarchy, but he's dealing with uncertainty because of injuries. So how does he decide who gets those reps early on after Brock Purdy's return, and how does the team respond to it? That's something that I'll be keeping an eye on once August comes around uh, because you can kind of feel how these quarterback dynamics and locker room dynamics can affect the general morale of teams, and I'll be really interested to see how it all plays out, and ultimately that decision rests with Kyle Shanahan. I guess on before that, it, it rests with the health of Brock Purdy's right elbow, uh, but it'll all be interesting to see how that does play out because there's not really much Shanahan can do until his quarterbacks are healthy. And I'm not so sure Brock Purdy will uh, just immediately be given every single rep when he does come back because the Niners like to play it as safe as any team. So that's what I'll be keeping an eye out for. And I think that's where the biggest decision this offseason comes. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Mark Randy, Evan Giddings, three times a week in the season, two times a week in the offseason. Uh, we'll be coming to kind of like a, a staggered schedule a bit, Mark, uh, but looking at some Mondays and Thursdays, that's what our next episode will come out this week. So keep an eye out for that wherever you get your podcast. My response to that would be, and now that I'm thinking about it more, a little alluded to it, I guess, but 
I, I think if that's the scenario you're talking about, where Brock Purdy ideally is back at the beginning of training camp, well, right now, like I said, Brock Purdy is QB1R, so he is injured. <laughs> Trey Lance then becomes QB1. He gets the reps, and unless he does something that would wow the training staff, the team, the coaching staff, the front office, the moment that Brock Purdy re-enters the fold, according to that timeline, the R, in my opinion, comes off his name. And he is QB1 again. Like that is that is to me the most likely outcome based on a hopeful return to play timeline for Brock Purdy. If he is back anytime during training camp, I think he immediately gets re-slotted in as the one. Because again, it's not like after six months, he's going to have to start throwing again. He will be unable to throw for three months, and then he will, he will have a ramp-up period for the final three, taking him into training camp, assuming he's 100%. So in my opinion, he automatically becomes your QB1 because he was supposed to be your QB1 before he got hurt. That's unfortunate for Trey Lance, but I think that's the way that things will play out under this you know, assumption just because that's the way of the world. Like, it's kind of unfair, but Trey Lance, unfortunately, um, hasn't gotten the chance to prove that he's the right quarterback for this team. And Brock Purdy has, and Brock Purdy took the baton and he didn't go 400 meters, Mark. He did the entire mile by himself. Like, so I, I, I look, I understand if you're a huge Trey Lance proponent, you're a Trey Lance fan, you want him to get a fair shake. And I do think he will at some point this season because, again, history has told us that Kyle Shanahan will need more than one quarterback over the course of a regular season. Uh, but I don't think it is going to be at the beginning of the year unless Brock Purdy needs something more beyond that repair or no, no surgery at all. Yeah, Um I I think you're right. If if Purdy's surgery is successful and his recovery is generally straightforward and he's back, you know, within a couple of weeks of the start of training camp and he at least has a couple of weeks, you know, before the start of the season, before the start of the the preseason, I think everything will be okay and and there won't be I don't know, drama attached to it Evan. But let's say Let's say Brock Purdy waits another two weeks to get surgery for some reason. He's still seeking second opinion. That's probably too long. Let's say let's say he waits. No, no, another no. Week. Actually, I I think that's 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 a good scenario because the, the extension of this is what if Brock Purdy returns yeah. like immediately close to the season? Like that that to me is more of a, a bigger decision for Shanahan. Yeah. So what if he waits to have surgery two more weeks? He's seeking out more opinions. He's hoping he doesn't need surgery, but ultimately after he and, and his team exhaust all of their resources, they say, you know what, Brock, unfortunately we still need surgery. But now we're looking at him getting this around the twentieth of February. And then he gets that surgery. He recovers relatively well, but he's not quite ready to go at exactly the six month marker. Uh, and he's back, you know, week two of the preseason. Let's say it's, it's something like that. And he has one preseason game and then the third preseason game, which generally a lot of starters don't play in. And then the season starts. What does Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers do then? Because they have a young quarterback, despite the fact that a quarterback that has proven that he's able to play well uh, under tough circumstances, but he has a young quarterback who's never been through an offseason as the starter, never started week one before. 
and you're going to throw him in there week one without much of an offseason. Or you're going to give it to Trey Lance, who was, you know, taking every single first team rep with your team all offseason long. That's where this could get a little bit dicey because, again, you have one player in Brock Purdy who is more proven, despite the fact that it is a relatively small sample size, and who the locker room absolutely fights for. You get the sense that if Kyle Shanahan creates a competition, a quarterback competition, the locker room might get a little upset because that's how much they support Brock Purdy. And whether or not that's fair to Trey Lance, I'm not here to debate that. I'm just here to, to tell you that's the way it feels from the outside. Um, so I think that's where this gets tough for Kyle Shanahan and where he has to earn his paycheck because that's a really tough decision. But there is a very real possibility, Evan, where Brock Purdy maybe delays his surgery a little bit more than the Niners are comfortable with, and they are familiar with this. It happened to Jimmy Garoppolo last offseason. And perhaps the the recovery isn't, you know, right at the six-month mark. It goes a little bit longer. What do the 49ers do then? I'm not sure that's such a crazy what-if scenario. That is certainly possible, uh, and it might throw a wrench into what the 49ers hope their offseason, what they hope their training camp, what they hope their preseason feels like. Yeah, look, it's everything's on the table right now. And that is both good as well as bad for the 49ers because you have, like Kyle Shanahan mentioned, two starting quarterbacks. So at least you feel comfortable that one of them is going to be available for this season, if not both. And the sure one is Trey Lance. Of course, the flip side of that is, well, so far, Trey Lance has been shown to be closer to Jimmy G as far as injuries are concerned than your average quarterback that can stay healthy. And especially with the way that Kyle Shanahan has so far used Trey Lance, I cannot count on him being available for 17 games, say, if Brock Purdy has to get elbow reconstruction and is going to miss the whole year. Like, that's the worst case scenario, obviously. But if that's the case, I don't feel comfortable. Like, like, would you feel comfortable just penciling in Trey Lance for the entire season, Mark? No, I wouldn't feel comfortable. Um, and part of but, that, but, and it's, it's not because of his play. Like, he's not going to get played off the field. I just, I just haven't seen him be healthy. Yeah, if if uh, you were you were telling me Trey Lance is going to be the starter for every single game this year unless injuries happen, like there's no competition, there's no other quarterback behind him, I would I would say no because of the way that we've seen Kyle Shanahan run the offense with Trey Lance at the helm, it's relatively violent for quarterbacks. Uh, so I would not feel comfortable making that bet. The other thing, Evan, that's interesting is you referenced the, the end-of-season presser last week from Shanahan and Lynch a couple of times. Uh, Shanahan was straight up asked, is Brock Purdy going to be your week one starter? And he said, quote, those are things I haven't even thought about at all. So right now we're just working on coaches. And I think that stuff will play itself out by training camp. Uh, but Do again, you believe that, then, that? Uh, I think he is confident that, that he hasn't thought about the quarterback position. Maybe he hasn't actually thought about it because it's already been a foregone conclusion for a while, <laughs> but he's not telling the full truth. I think he's fully confident that assuming health, Brock Purdy is the team's week one starter. That's the writing on the wall for me. But then the question with that quote becomes, Evan, 
okay, what if you haven't seen both quarterbacks by training camp? Then what happens? So I don't know. I also think that if a head coach is not thought about his quarterback position, yeah, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. And maybe it's because of what you just said, which is he's confident Brock's going to be back. He knows something that we don't, and he's just going to pencil him in and go from there. But at face value, if your head coach says they have not (laughs) thought about the quarterback position, I hear that as borderline negligent. Like, what do you mean you haven't thought about the quarterback position at all? I know it's only been a couple of days, but I can't think right now, Mark, outside of maybe Trent Williams, who is now returning, he's going to come back out of retirement or, you know, pseudo-retirement for this next season. Outside of that, is there any other priority that's larger on this team than the quarterback position? Because he clearly thought about Jimmy Garoppolo because he told them there's there's no chance that he's coming back. Uh, I mean, no, there's there's no other quarterback or decision bigger for Kyle Shanahan than the quarterback position. So uh, a minus. <laughs> he's not he's he doesn't care what he says to the media. It doesn't matter. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. He's just giving you an answer. He doesn't want to say, I yeah, know. Brock's a starter. He doesn't want to say, yeah, Trey's the starter because that's just going to cause unnecessary issues. So he's just going to sidestep it as best he can and say, oh, I'm not worried about that. And I mean, frankly, he needs to have, you know, internal thoughts about it, but he doesn't need to have a decision now. I mean, there's still so much time and there's still so much to be seen by the injuries. I mean, again, before any Kyle Shanahan decision related to quarterbacks, the injuries have to play themselves out. He has to see Trey Lance in action after his multiple ankle procedures, and he has to see uh, Brock Purdy in action again after he probably gets UCL repair surgery and comes back in about six months. So uh, there's still a ton that has to play out before Kyle Shanahan ever makes a decision. But I guarantee you, uh, he has thought about it. And maybe the only thought he's had about it is, well, if healthy, it's Brock. If not, I'll figure it out later. Uh, but uh, he's he has had thoughts about it. He's just not telling us. Yeah, I think you're right. I just I just want to know, Mark. I just want to know what Kyle Shanahan is thinking. Because well, good luck like ever his, figuring that yeah, out. His thoughts tend to change on a day-to-day basis, publicly speaking, even though it does seem to me like he is one of the more process-based people uh, that I have had a chance to observe in sports, for sure. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Episodes coming at you three times a week. In the season, off season, about two times a week. So make sure to stay dialed into what we got going on. Mark Randy, Evan Giddings, follow us on social, everything at 415ers. Okay, Mark. So we talked about it at the beginning of the episode, tease it a little bit. Uh, there was a 49ers player, Brennan Ayuk, who was on with uh, Brad Graham and his podcast, joined his live stream, I believe, and was essentially, you know, they were tossing around different ideas. And Brandon Ayuk was asked about, I think the beginning of the conversation was asked about who he thought was going to win the Super Bowl. And Thursday's episode, we'll dig in deeper as to who we believe is going to come out on top and the ramifications of it and all the different angles that concern Philadelphia, Kansas City, and how it impacts the 49ers. But Brandon Ayuk essentially said, hey, like if I was a betting man, which he's not, and multiple times emphasized is not, (laughs) that he would bet on the Chiefs. And whether we disagree or not, the reasoning behind it was he felt like before Brock Purdy got hurt, that the offense had some things 
that they felt like were going to work against this Eagles defense. And the extension of that basically was like, you know, if, if San Francisco can quote unquote figure out or expose whatever keyword you want to use this Eagles, you know, near historic level defense, then why can't Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey do it on the other side? That's kind of how I took it. I didn't take it as a slight. And he did preface his comments by saying, hey, I'm the one sitting on the couch. Like, I'm not in the Super Bowl. And it may come off as salty, essentially. But here's how I feel. So I did appreciate him being realistic about the situation, as well as also being able to give his opinion, because now we can talk about it. Well, yeah, here, here's the quote. You're right. He did preface it. So if you're reading this on, you know, whatever website, they're probably not including his preface. Uh, so you're you're getting a more spicy version of it. But here is the quote that that caught uh, caught on on Twitter. Uh, they talk about them being a good defense. He's talking about Philadelphia. I'm not too sure. I think this Kansas City pass game will expose what we thought we were going to be able to expose before some unfortunate circumstances. We'll see. But like I said, you got to get lucky to win a Super Bowl, and they just got extremely lucky last week. So that by itself, Evan, uh, sounds a lot like, uh, I don't know, sour grapes. It's It sounds pretty bad, but you're right. He did... He did preface it. He he also, you know, said after the fact, similar things like I'm, I'm not taking anything away from them, that sort of thing. Uh, but in that quote alone, it sounds an awful lot like you're, you're taking th- some things away from the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Spread and Ayuk, you probably shouldn't be saying that sort of stuff, uh, but whatever. I mean, it doesn't really mean all that much, but I think it just speaks to the confidence that the Niners had going into that game, Evan, and something that we talked about for a number of episodes last week. It's a shame that we didn't get to see this matchup because I think it really would have been extremely competitive, Uh, but the Niners, assuming that Brock Purdy didn't get hurt, they would have been right there, and Brandon Ayuk feels that way. I'm sure most of the team feels that way. Just the difference is Brandon Ayuk is the one that spoke on it publicly while no one else has. Um, so I don't know. It, it probably doesn't mean all that much. The Eagles probably enjoy hearing that sort of thing. Not that they need extra motivation, uh, but it probably makes them, uh, feel, uh, I don't know, a little more motivated, a little more, uh, happy about beating the 49ers, but in the big picture, it probably doesn't mean all that much. No, I think it does Mark, because this is what we know, not from a perspective of like predictions or what would have happened or revisionist history. But I do want Brandon Ayuka to say stuff like this. Like, I do want to hear what athletes really feel about the situations that unfold. Because whether it's unfair or we got cheated, like, that's seemingly the same way that the team felt. And, yes, logic would tell you that's that's how they should feel. But hearing it from them and also hearing the, the type of confidence from Brandon Ayuk tells me that... Like this 49ers team thought that they were that close to winning a Super Bowl. And it is also how we felt too. Now, the other part of it, Mark, is if he is saying that, you know, he thought they had some stuff for Philly and whether or not he thought they would expose them or not, that's also not exactly. And I want to put words in your mouth. But when we're talking about the game after and reacting to the NFC Championship, you said something along the lines of, I felt like with Brock Purdy in that game, the 49ers would or could have won that football game. Yes. Like that to me is is what I hear Brandon Ayuk saying when he's saying 
yes, we're going to you know, expose blah, 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 defense different. Yes. But like that's that's essentially what I hear, which is also what I heard from yourself, along with a lot of 49ers fans. So I think it is valuable hearing that from someone like him. Sure. And I I, I am very sure that most people in the locker room feel the same way. The difference is I can say it and a player on the team shouldn't say it publicly. Why not? Uh, I guarantee you, Brandon, you've got to call he, from He Peter. precursed like everything that he could. Like if you I, listen to the full three-minute clip, I it does not sound you, as bad as that. I, I guarantee you after he said this and after Peter at Niners PR heard it, he gave Brandon Ayuk a quick call and say, hey, Brandon, What's he on, saying? You what did he say that was you wrong? Can't, you can't say that. Publicly. Why not? Because it's it's because you're gonna give Philadelphia bulleted board material for next year. No, like I want to hear what a player that was in the locker room that saw two quarterbacks go down felt on that day, and he only had two catches. I agree with you. I want to hear it too. Me personally, I love hearing this sort of thing. I love actually hearing what players and people in professional sports organizations feel because it's so rare that they just simply speak honestly. How often do we talk about what Kyle Shanahan says? We just got done talking about it, how he's not telling the media what he truly thinks or feels. Everything that comes out of Kyle Shanahan's mouth to the media in a public setting is veiled in some way with a lie like it, it's just the way that coaches speak it's the way that professional sports organizations go about their media duties so hearing something like this and hearing a player actually speak honest honest is refreshing i enjoy it but i guarantee you the team does not like it because they simply do not like these sorts of things being out there in the public it's not the worst thing again if it was you know if, if the niners were going up in the super bowl against the kansas city chiefs and Ayuk said, yeah, that time the Chiefs beat us way back in October. <laughs> no big deal. Like, that was just a bag. We got him this. Like, that would be way worse, of course, because it's an upcoming opponent that you're playing in a gigantic game. But even this, it's something the teams want to avoid. It doesn't, it's not the, the greatest picture of your organization, despite the fact that it's really not that big of a deal. But I guarantee you that Niners PR called up Ayuk after they first saw this and tried to explain that to him. But I'm with you from a selfish position, Evan. I enjoy hearing it. I like to know what the players, what the team is actually thinking because we rarely get an honest look inside of their thoughts. And Ayuk did offer that to us. So I am glad it happened. The team, however, I'm sure is not. But even if, like, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. 49ers PR calls him and says, hey, Brandon, you know, what, what are you doing? On a scale of one to 10, how incendiary were his comments because i would i would argue they're like a two i'd probably say like a five really because yeah. i i feel like there's so many worse things like if you really wanted to go down that road of what you thought about philly or your situation or others like he he could have thrown gasoline on some stuff Inside of the 49 again, it was not about what San Francisco was doing. It was more about, to me, what I heard about Philadelphia and why, again, he's trying to, um, you know, essentially support why he thinks that Kansas City is going to win the Super Bowl, which also I'm not surprised to hear because Kansas City literally trashed the 49ers at their own building. So they have a firsthand experience against a team that's in the Super Bowl on one side that beat them at full strength. And the other team that, of course, just beat them, which may sound like salty grapes, sour grapes. But 
I also think that Ayuk is saying, look, we felt closer to Philadelphia than we did to Kansas City. Yeah, and you're right. There are worse things he could have said. He could have talked about the the scrum at the end of the game and, and maybe said some disparaging things. I know fines came out this past week. Guess what? Trent Williams was not the uh, the most heavily fined player from that NFC Championship game. The Eagles' Brandon Graham was docked over $13,000 for unsportsmanlike conduct. I'll have to go back and rewatch the scrum at the end, Evan, but I do not think Brandon Graham was all that involved. I don't even know what he got fined for. He it's was in the middle of it, but it sounds like it was probably more due to comments than perhaps. actual physical action. Yeah, so he got fined over 13000 Trent Williams was fined over 12000 Dre Greenlaw, 10000 as well. Of course, you remember him trying to punch the ball out of Kenneth Gainwell multiple times after the play was already over. So uh, Trent Williams, not the most fine player there. It is Brandon Graham. But you're right. Uh, Brandon Ayuk could have said uh, some more incendiary things for sure. Uh, but again, the, the, these professional sports organizations don't like airing of grievances in a public setting that way. And I know it was it was not even necessarily grievances, he was just talking, you know, it's unfortunate we had this plan. We were hoping we could do these things. Now I think Kansas City will do those things. Uh, but unfortunately, as you know this, Evan, uh, you know, you're in a you're you're a I don't know, a professional athlete. You are in the public's eye. You're held to a higher standard than everyone else. Uh, it's just it's just the way it is. Uh, but again, speaking selfishly, I like hearing these things because it is it is. It's, it's rare you get to peek inside how, how a team is actually feeling. You oftentimes have to guess, try to figure it out. Uh, but but now we know for sure how the Niners felt. Not that there was really much of a question, uh, but I'm sure the Niners would like to keep all those things internal if they possibly could, which is never going to happen because, you know, these are emotional uh, athletes who obviously play an extremely physical game and, and who are very confident in themselves, and, and they like to, to back it up with their talk as well. So, I'm not surprised that we got something like this. I am glad we did because it's nice to hear. But I guarantee you the Niners were not the most thrilled about it when they heard about it. Oh, sure. I just thought it was interesting, too. And and to hear your response, because honestly, I, I disagree with Brandon Ayuk. Like, I, I don't think they would have exposed the Philadelphia Eagles defense. We'll never know. But it was just interesting to hear how you, I guess, um, you know, broke that down from your side because I, I felt like you were more on like the Brandon Ayuk uh, train in, in, in this conversation. I th uh, yeah. I think the, the word expose is the toughest one here. Uh, I think this Kansas city pass game will expose what we thought we were going to be able to expose before some unfortunate circumstances. The other part here is you read between the lines <laughs> and he's, I know he's not, but it's almost like he's comparing Patrick Mahomes to Brock Purdy. When, when he City talks pass. about all of this, I swear it does not sound as bad. Like, I encourage <laughs> you to go watch the video, please. It does not sound as bad. Uh, I think if he used a word other than expose, it, it wouldn't be as bad. Say he says, I think this Kansas City pass game will be able to take advantage of some things that we were hoping to before our quarterback got hurt. That's not yeah. nearly as big of a deal. And ultimately, it's the same sentiment, Evan, but it just comes down to word choice and semantics. Uh, which is what this entire argument or, or conversation is about in the first place. So I don't know. It's it's 
it's it's not that big of a deal. Um, but but again, the Niners wouldn't want it in general. But I I'm with you. You should go and and watch it. It's sort of there's so many stories about this. You just search Brandon Ayuk, and there's probably ten or fifteen articles that pop up, and they all have just this quote pulled from it. Uh, and they don't have any of the other context, which I'm sure Brandon Ayuk is frustrated about as well as he should be, because that's just the way that the world works now. Try to get as many clicks as he can by being as controversial as he can. And there's a reason why this has stood out, Evan, is because it is pretty rare to hear these kind of public comments from a player. If it if if it wasn't as big of a deal, or if it at least was a little more common, it wouldn't have caught on and, and big as been as big of a story in Niners Twitter as it has been. So uh, I'm with you. It's it's probably ultimately not that big of a deal, but it is it is relatively rare to get these kind of comments. Uh, yeah, which is why I would encourage Brandon Ayuk to keep saying what he wants to say, and so we can continue to talk about it, and so we I'm can continue, continue to learn more about players that I enjoy covering and watching as a sports fan, as someone who covers the 49ers on the 415ers. So that's going to wrap up this episode. We'll have another one coming for you this week on Thursday, always, of course, on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Mark, thank you so much, my man. We'll talk later in the week. Yes, we'll uh, probably talk some defensive coordinator on Thursday because the Niners still have an opening there. That's that's uh, probably goal number one before they figure out their quarterback stuff this offseason. So looking forward to that. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully we'll have some news by then as well. TBD. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, I'm sure, has thought about that. Uh, we, will, <laughs> we will talk to you next time. Appreciate everyone listening to the 415ers podcast. We'll talk to you next time.